Hello there. Welcome to the show. Since I've had a little bit more free time due to not having to study for my boards exam, I have been playing a little bit more video games. I finally got around to beating the game Pillars of Eternity, which is the game I'm going to kind of be reviewing today. I purchased this game about two years ago, and I finally got around to beating it. I figured that I would do a little bit of a review on it because I really enjoyed the game. Now, this game came out on March 26 of 2015 for PC. It later came out for Xbox and PS4. Well, it also came out for the Switch. But from what I understand, the Switch version runs horribly and there's like tons of bugs. So much so that you can't even complete the game because the bugs are so bad. And from what I was reading, the developers are no longer even supporting it. So they're not even putting out any more patches. So if you're going to get the game, do not get it on Switch. I also wouldn't recommend getting it on Xbox or PS4 just because of the nature of the loading system. Apparently the way that they you save the game it kind of stacks on itself i'm not really familiar with like how systems are loaded in games but they say by the time you get towards the end of the game or like the last third of the game uh loading just takes forever due to the way that the game is set up and it can take about a minute to load in between areas and you're going in between areas all the time so that definitely adds up I played it on PC and I do have an SSD for my hard drive so that definitely helped. I did notice towards the end of the game that it did take a little bit to load into the game but I didn't have any issues loading between areas. So this game was developed by Obsidian Entertainment. Um, they're known for doing Knights of the Republic 2, Fallout New Vegas, Neverwinter Nights 2. Um, they sort of followed up a lot of big games and some people kind of herald them as one of the best developers for RPGs, CRPGs. Now, before this game came out, Obsidian was having some difficulties in staying open, and they actually had to lay off a lot of people. So they put out a documentary after Pillars of Eternity came out, and this game, to some extent, saved the studio. So they were having trouble getting publishers for their games, and they decided to do a Kickstarter and their goal was around $1.1 million, and they sort of pitched it as a throwback to the era of Baldur's Gate games, Baldur's Gate 1 and 2, Icewind Dale 1 and 2, uh, games that were based off of the Infinity Engine, isometric RPGs. They were pitching this as, we want to make a game very similar to the old-fashioned games, but we kind of want to update it and make it in sort of in a new era. And uh, they raised around $4 million, and this was back in 2012. So at the time, that was the highest-funded video game on Kickstarter. I think it has been surpassed now. I'm not sure by which one. They made almost four times as much money as they were asking for, and that definitely was a success. Two of the guys that worked on the game were Chris Avalon and Tim Kane, and both of these guys are really well known in the CRPG genre for their work on the Fallout games, and I think Chris Avalon wrote for Planescape Torment, so these guys are sort of big names in this, in this genre, and I think that definitely spurred a lot of people to fund this project. The game started development in 2012, and then it was released three years later in 2015. When it came out, uh, it got a lot of good reviews. The Metacritic score was 89 for critics and 8.3 for users. 
And in February of 2017, which was about a year after the release, uh, they stated that they had sold about 700,000 copies. And I'm sure that it's sold more since then. I'm sure it's probably over a million. So it has done pretty well. Now, this game is in the genre of CRPGs. I was just watching a video where the guy was reviewing a bunch of CRPGs that had come out in the last 10 years, and he spent the first 10 minutes defining what a CRPG was, and there's a lot of caveats that you can put into that. Originally, it was to mean computer role-playing game to differentiate it from the pen and paper games like Dungeons & Dragons, but... Now there's so many computer role-playing games that really aren't anything like the originals, like Baldur's Gate. So the C is going to be considered classic RPGs. Um, it's a throwback to, like I've mentioned multiple times, games like Baldur's Gate 1 and 2, Planescape Torment, Icewind Dale 1 and 2, all based off the Dungeons & Dragons rule set. Um, they're isometric, top-down perspective, and then you kind of click where you want your party to go. The combat is real-time with pause, and I'll get a little bit more into that when I get down into the gameplay section, but this is a style that I think has gone out of popularity in the last quite a while. I guess it's kind of swung back into popularity with the release of Pillars of Eternity in games like uh, Pathfinder Kingmaker, and now I guess recently Pathfinder Wrath of the Righteous. I think that was the newest one that came out. I was first introduced to it in Knights of the Old Republic. I really do enjoy the real-time with pause, but we'll talk about that a little bit later. This game is an RPG to the core. It's a hardcore RPG with numbers and stats, and it is not for the faint of heart. Now, the story, you play as a watcher. Now, a watcher is someone who can see the souls of the deceased, and in this particular area of the world, uh, they're having this problem where people are being born and they're born without souls and they call them hollowborn and they're trying to figure out why this is happening. And so you're just kind of a regular adventurer and you stumble upon this ritual that occurs and then you, after the ritual you can sort of see these souls and your job is to kind of piece together what's going on. It's a little bit of a mystery. I didn't follow the story that much, mainly because I started it two years ago and I just recently finished it. So if I was to go back and play through it again, I probably would catch a lot more. I think the story is well written enough to be interesting, but I don't think I would play this game just for the story. Where I would play a game like Knights of the Old Republic just solely for the story. But that might be because it's Star Wars. I do plan to play Knights of the Old Republic 2, which was made by Obsidian. And people say that the story in that game is fantastic. So we'll see. So jumping into talking about the gameplay, there are a lot of options. And I think that that's what these games do really well. I played the game on normal difficulty, so I'm by no means an expert, but there are a ton of different difficulty settings that you can put it on. There is story mode, which is really easy, and it's just for people who want to enjoy the story. There's easy, normal, hard, and then there's path of the damned. And then on top of that, there's also an expert mode that you can play with any of the difficulties, and that does things like removes the health bars from the enemy, and it uh, removes the area of effect circles when you're casting your spell, so you really don't know like how far out the spell will reach. It removes your ability to change your equipment unless you're at a tavern or an inn or unless you're camping or using a campfire, and I'll talk a little bit about the rest mechanic a little bit later on. 
And then the last thing that you could play it on would be the Trial of Iron. And this is when you die, or if you die, your save file is erased. So if you played it for 20 hours and you die and you screw up, it will erase your save file and you'll have to start all over again. I'd, I'd be interested to see what percentage of people have actually beat the game on or with the Trial of Iron. I guess it would be pretty easy if you were playing it on easy mode or on story mode, but it, even on normal mode, I died a fair amount. I died a lot, actually. Now, other choices that you get to make when you start the game, you create your character. There are six different types of races. Uh, there's the Orlin, which is similar to a hobbit. There's a godlike being, which looks like a fawn with his head lit on fire. Um, there's an Amunana or something like that. I don't know how to say it. They're like these giant kind of water-loving people. They're blue-skinned and massive. They're kind of like the Avatar people, the Navi in that one movie called Avatar. And then you can be human, dwarf, or elf. So there's six race choices, and each race gives you a different bonus to your one of your stats. I don't know all of them. And then on top of that, there's seven different cultures that give your character a backstory. So you can be from this part of the world and that gives you this type of stat and and you if you really want to get into the role playing which i i rarely do that's just i don't play these games for that aspect i think i play it more for the combat and the mechanics but if you really want to get into that it's really fleshed out um, and then after you choose the culture that your character's from there's 10 different backgrounds that you can uh, pick for your character so you could be an aristocrat a colonist a drifter laborer merchant artist dissident hunter mercenary slave and these all add different attributes to your character and if you again like if you want to get into the role-playing aspect of it it could sort of build your character's uh, history and why they're here at this in this country and where they came from then after all of these choices that you have struggled so long to make and let me this is a complicated character creator, but it's nowhere near as complicated as some other games. Uh, there's a game called Pathfinder Kingmaker that I do want to play eventually once I finish my backlog uh, that has a even more complicated character creator. So you can just see how deep people get into this. So after you've done all that, then you have uh, one of 11 different classes to choose from. So there's a ranger, priest, druid, monk, barbarian, chanter, cypher, fighter, wizard, rogue, paladin. Kind of similar to most D&D-like games. There's a few unique ones like the cypher and the chanter. They're a little bit different. I uh, kind of have this joke going on that if I was to be a character in one of these D&D games or one of these fantasy games, if I was myself, I would end up being the, the healer monk or the healer priest because I, I don't consider myself a healer. I think that's way too melodramatic, but I am in medicine, so that would be the closest thing that I would be. I don't think I'm a rogue or a druid. I don't even know what a modern day, I don't want to know what a modern day druid would be. And on top of that, I am a Christian, so the whole healer-priest thing would kind of go hand-in-hand hand with that, but I am by no means a theologian. So after you create your character, you have some numbers that you got to pick what's your character to be. And these things are like athletics, might, dexterity, constitution, you know, kind of all the same things. And these are cool because there'll be times in the game when you'll interact with someone and or something and a storybook kind of page will pop up and they'll have some drawings and they'll say oh you come across a big rock 
that looks like you could climb it. And if you have enough athletics or enough might, then you might be able to climb it. Or if you have enough strength, you might be able to push the rock out of the way and continue. And so there's a lot of different ways that they do that. Um, or they use these. And then you also use a lot of this stuff in conversation. So if you kind of want to intimidate someone to tell you where something is, you know, if you have a lot of might, you can intimidate them. Or if you're very smart, you can convince them because you're your genius and stuff like you know typical rpg stuff but i think it's pretty well fleshed out and you do use it pretty often and depending on the character you make it can really change the way you interact with some of the npcs in the world now a big part to these games is the exploration and before i get into that i want to kind of explain the rest mechanic so the way that health works in this game is that you have endurance and then you have health Endurance is what you would have in a fight. So if someone hits you and your endurance goes down to zero, then your character will pass out. Now your health is a separate bar that will also go down, but your character doesn't die until that health goes all the way down to zero. And if that occurs, then either your character dies or they get maimed, which means that they have some sort of permanent bonus or not bonus. It would be a a debuff or something like that. So in order to reset that health back to the maximum amount, you have to do what's called resting. And you can rest at bonfires or campfires that you can carry around. You can carry around four. Or if you go to a tavern, you can pay to sleep in one of the taverns, and then your health will be reset to the top. This also plays a role when you're casting spells. So a player can cast a certain number of spells per rest. And after that, they will be required to rest before they can cast those spells anymore so if you're in a dungeon and you've used up all your spell slots and you don't have a campfire that wizard is going to be much less useful because the only thing they can do is like sort of wave their magic wand and shoot little beams of ice at people which isn't nearly as powerful as what their other abilities are so that rest mechanic is something that uh is cool but at the same time it can be abused because i never really was missing bonfires for the mo or campfires for the most part there was a few times but most of the time, you're easily able to either rest at a tavern or go purchase campfires to use. I think the mechanic is good, but there's no detriment to resting. Whereas like in Dungeons and Dragons, when you rest, you have to set a watch to make sure you don't get ambushed. And in the Pathfinder games, uh, there's a lot like sort of a complex mini game that you kind of have to do every time you want to rest. In Pillars of Eternity, you can just kind of rest in the middle of a dungeon with a campfire and reset all your spells. Now, in terms of exploration, the game is broken up into separate areas. There's a world map, and then on the world map are different areas, and you can click on the area and travel to them. And it's pretty cool because there's a day-night cycle, and it keeps track of how long you've played the game, like in-game, not in real life. But So over the two years that I played the game, my, my characters journey together for about 120 days i think that was the because it takes you know eight hours to travel from this city to this town and things like that the areas have houses taverns dungeons caves and all different types of areas to explore a lot of the game is made up of exploring different areas and discovering the secrets and making your way through dungeons and there's puzzles in the dungeons as well or many stories that take place 
another really good thing about this game that sort of harkens back to older games is that there's a lot of different ways to do something. So I remember back in the early game, there's one point where you're trying to break into this castle and you could do just a major assault through the front gates and attack everyone that you see, or you could do what I did, which was sneak through the sewers, but you needed a character strong enough to be able to bend the iron bars apart so that your characters could sneak through. Even in the first dungeon, which is the tutorial dungeon, you can get through the dungeon in two or three different ways, which just shows you that it's worth looking around if you don't want to do this scenario a certain way. You generally can find another way to do it or complete it. Now, the main part of the game that I enjoyed the most was the combat. Um, it's real time with pause, so when your party of six members comes upon the enemy, the game pauses itself, and then you can set your characters to do different abilities, and you can sort of push your tanks up front and have your ranged characters in the back shooting arrows and my character was a priest, so a lot of the things that he does is buff your teammates, you give them more defense, you heal them, and so if you cast a spell that gives them more defense, then that defense spell might last for about 20 seconds, but you're pausing probably every, every one to two seconds to tell your different characters to do different things because it might take two seconds for another character's ability to work, so then you gotta tell him to do something else. So that 20 second defense spell might last the entirety of the fight because of how much micromanaging there is. And a fight that in paper, if you just left it playing, would take 20 seconds, might take you about five minutes if you're pausing every few seconds and directing your characters to cast their different abilities. Now, just as an example, my at the end of the game, I had a 10th level priest. The highest level you could get to is 12. And just to show you how complicated this game can be, at level 10, I had the ability to cast five level one spells, and there was nine spells I could choose from, six level two spells, again, nine level two spells I could choose from, five level three spells, there were eight of those I could choose from, five level four spells, I could choose from seven of those, and then three level five spells. So that's a total of 40 spells that I have the option to cast on top of about five or six other character-specific abilities that I have. So that's just one character, and I had five other characters with me that had, not all of them were as complicated. The wizards have a lot of spells and stuff, and the fighters are a little bit more simple. You basically say, you know, go hit man with big stick, and that's what they do. But you get the idea of how complicated an encounter can go. In my playthrough, I had one fighter, one paladin, the priest, which was my main character, a ranger, and then two wizards. And then the ranger had a pet wolf that I could also kind of tell and direct to attack certain enemies. So there's multiple different ways to approach combat situations depending on your party. So I only had five different classes out of the 11 that you could choose from. So that shows you that even I played the game for about 60 hours, but I didn't even use the cypher or the monk or the berserker or, you know, there's all these different characters that I didn't even use, which shows you how much there is to this game and, and why people like these games so much because they give you so many options. Overall, the combat was the best part of the game for me. It's the reason why I play. It's the most fun. There's a lot of different options that you can do and kind of talking about this right now makes me want to go back and try some different things. You do get the ability to respec your character at any time and I did this several times to sort of make my character better. 
Um, and it costs like by the time I was at level 10, I think it cost like a thousand gold pieces, which I had about like 45,000. So it wasn't any big deal. So they do allow you to sort of change your character if you do make mistakes early on, which I think is really nice. Um, you also can hire adventurers that are basically you can create your own bodyguards or people to help you or you can use the characters that the game provides and all of these characters that the game provides have stories similar to Knights of the Old Republic or Mass Effect 2 and you can sort of work with them to go on their separate quests with them and that'll give you more experience and so on but I didn't do too much of that mainly because I kind of crafted the party that I wanted using a lot of the adventurers that I created so I think by the end of the game I had three of the characters that the game gives you and then three characters that I created counting my own character. Apart from the combat and the exploration, there's also a base management kind of game that they give you. So you capture, I don't know if you capture, but you basically take over this castle and then uh, as you play through the game, you can upgrade the castle and you spend gold and it takes a few days to upgrade things. And then uh, bandits will begin to attack and you can hire people to defend your castle and delegates will come by and ask you for favors. And there's these little mini quests that you can go on. And it's a lot of things that you could do if you really wanted to focus on that. But I didn't spend a whole lot of time with it. It was kind of just in the background for me. I think that if you really wanted to get into it, it would be there's a fair amount in there, but that just wasn't something that I spent a lot of time with. Overall, this is an incredibly fleshed out game with an enormous amount of care put into the creation of the backstory and the world and the content. And the number of options in this game is really nice because it allows you to play it any way that you really want. Honestly, you could even play it with just one character if you wanted to, which I think would be pretty difficult, but they do give you that option. Um, in terms of the graphics, or really, it's just artwork. It's basically an HD remake of the older CRPGs, so you're playing on these sort of static, painted backgrounds, and then your characters kind of walk over them. It, lo it looks great. I don't really know who could complain about the artwork or the style of the game. I mean, anyone could complain about whatever. That's just, in my opinion, there's not really much to complain about. Um, the combat is incredible, really complicated. Um, there were so many encounters that I would run into and I would just get wiped in a few seconds or in a, you know, in a minute, I would just get absolutely destroyed. And then when I would reload my game and come back at that fight, and if I just used a different strategy or if I uh, sort of changed the way that I was playing, I could completely turn the tides, then it ended up being an easy fight. So there's a lot of different things that you can do to change the game. And it's hard if you're not paying attention. You really have to pay attention to each fight, which can kind of be a con in some eyes, in some people's eyes, because you can't just let the game play itself which if you were on easy mode obviously you could but you always have to be pausing and micromanaging even just on the normal difficulty exploration is cool but there wasn't anything particularly unique about the exploration uh, and the story was good definitely passable i didn't get that much into it I, I don't know why i really get into fantasy books in different worlds and maybe it's just a long gap in between how i played this i mean it was definitely interesting i just didn't find myself as invested as i have been in other games but i do think i want to do a podcast episode just sort of discussing stories and video games and when they're at their finest some of the cons, um, the walking speed can be slow. You can even fast forward in the game so that your characters walk quickly, but even that seems kind of slow sometimes. That's just kind of a nitpick. Um, there's a fair amount of backtracking, but that kind of is 
that could be your own fault, aka my fault, based on the way that I played the game. Um, some people, like I said before, would say that the combat can be a little bit too micromanagement heavy. Um, I didn't have that much of an issue with it, but I'm sure that if I continued to play, uh, say I played the DLCs, which I haven't yet purchased, which I don't know if I'm going to, maybe I'd get tired of the combat micromanagement by that point. Um, some of the story is kind of slow, difficult to get into. And then I think the last thing would be that I just didn't feel any excitement about any of the equipment that I got. Normally RPGs are fun because you get these crazy swords and weapons. And I don't know if it was just my caveman brain level of understanding of the combat system. Maybe I didn't fully grasp the gravity of getting certain weapons, but basically it was just like the number is higher, therefore it works better. I'll use that one. Last thing, one of my favorite websites is How Long to Beat. You go to howlongtobeat.com and you type in the game and it will tell you how long it takes to beat. They say that the main story takes about 34 hours and the main story plus extra takes about 60 hours. So I must have done plus extra because it took me about 61 hours to complete the entirety of the game and there's still a lot more to do. And that's not even counting the two downloadable contents that they have added on later. I think those added about 10 hours of story content each. So maybe one day I'll do those. I'm not sure. I have a lot of games to get through that I have already bought, so I don't need to be buying any more new. Um, games that this is similar to, obviously like the Baldur's Gate 1 and 2 games like I've mentioned, Pathfinder Kingmaker, which came out a little bit later than this, and then the Divinity Original Sin games, but those have turn-based combat, and their combat is excellent, but it is really different from Pillars of Eternity. Would I play this game again? If I had the time, probably, but there's also a lot of other games that are like this that I would like to play. So I'd like to play the second one and see how they take it even further, especially with the combat. Um, and then like Pathfinder, and I want to go back and play the old Baldur's Gate games as well as um, Planescape Torment. Well, that's it for this discussion of Pillars of Eternity. I have plans to do a medical podcast that should come out on Thursday. And I have plans to review Outward and Monster Hunter Rise that are coming up on the future. And then Abe and Knox and I are also going to have a discussion about Episode 3, Revenge of the Sith. If you have any questions, you can email me at MaximumPodcast at gmail.com. Thanks for listening.